So I here's a funny story that I'd like record- to tell. Are we recording? We're recording. I'm here oh, with okay. Roz Dress for Less. Hi. Did I say that right? Yeah. And you don't like Roz Dress for Less. No, I don't want to start. I don't want to give you headlines. I mean- <laughs> Look at you trying to get the juicy tea. This Justin. No, I'm just not. I've I've never really shopped there. It's just I I don't know Ross, but I recommend Home Goods. I'm a well. I'm just a bargain. They they call me the bargain bin beauty. <gasps> I really get off on you know saving money, and I'm the thrifting queen of the world. I'm like ultimate like i i can thrift the house down i am the best at getting a deal um and i love going to you know i have so many treasures that i've gotten from thrift stores and so you know i wanted I love to- that you call them treasures because i don't know if you ever go to home goods because that may be too like tacky for you because it's very like middle america or like basic it. it's my favorite i like the theme song come to home goods come on get happy but the best is when you go in there over the intercom live they go Welcome, home good shoppers. Enjoy treasure hunting. And I'm like, oh my god, it's amazing. We're gonna yeah, hunt together. I mean, it feels like that. You never know what you're gonna get. You and never so, know. Because of that, I mean, I would say thrifting has always been like maybe my number one hobby. Like even from a kid, I'll I'll t- but I, clothes or home goods, anything possible. Oh. And I have that major problem where I'll, especially in an antique store, I'll see something that I need, and you know, it's not the kind of thing where you can. Come Come back and hope it'll still be there. Right. Or like, oh, do you have another one in another size? Like, that no, happen. you see it, you have to buy it. That's my favorite thing in the world. Is like just tacky. Yeah, I love kitsch. Yeah, I love things that you. Know, I I love to find the beauty in things that are considered ugly. Uh, that's, that's really sweet. That is like my. You life. have a sweet soul. I do have. What's a sweet your soul. birthday again? You're a Libra. I'm a Libra. October twentieth. Right. Right. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, I have so many things that I've gone to thrift stores and I'm like, why was this ever made? It was, but it was somebody's vision. You know, right, at one right, point somebody right. was like, I have to get this mass produced yeah. or make it for myself. And I see that and I'm like, I'm going to honor your your art and I'm going to have it in my home. And so like I have, um, God, what are some of the things I have? I mean, just some of the outfits I have are just so like, what acid trip of 1967 was this? <laughs> Do you feel, since you are in this world of having a podcast called Ghosted, which is amazing, do you feel that when you go antique shopping that some pieces are haunted? Yeah. Well, we've talked about that on my podcast, which actually really freaked me the fuck out. Because, you know, my podcast Ghosted is about paranormal stuff and you've been on it and you, you know. uh, But I did have one guest come on and tell me about a story with going to a psychic and this man was coming through and it turns out that the man was connected to the sweater that she was wearing that she bought from a (gasps) thrift store. He had given it to someone. Anything. Isn't that crazy? And I never say my shit or any of that so I'm sure that my apartment is just there's just ghosts Haunted everywhere just kooky fucking ghosts that so are coo- like but not dark ghosts kooky ghosts well but here's one thing I will say uh, I talk about it in the first ever episode I did of my show I did I <laughs> about 11 years ago I was driving through from North Hollywood to Orange County, and I was in so much traffic that I pulled over because I saw a Goodwill was in Downey, California. Which you know has, like, the best goods ever. Well, sure, because, you yeah. know, L.A. is so picked yeah. over. Yeah. So, like, when you go to the outskirts It's like towns, going to Palm Springs. It's sure. the same thing. 
So, yeah, sort of. You got to go to Cathedral City. Cathedral City, <laughs> yes. Uh, so, girl, I know my Palm <laughs> Springs know. thrifting. I got. I found this hand. It's shaped like a hand chair from the 60s. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I about love those. it. I got it a couple months ago what in Palm color? Springs. It's black. Oh. It's really cool. Um, okay, so I pull over to in Downey. I see uh, in the Goodwill a Ouija board <gasps> and it's one dollar no. and I'm a spooky bitch and I like a kooky thing and I like that it said one dollar. You love a piece. I love a piece <laughs> and I said I'm not gonna ever use this I just think it's cool. I just think it's it's a mixture of vintage and an spooky and like it's just it's cute and it, it, it had the little piece the planchette with it as well and so I bought it and it ended up um uh, coming with some kind of ghost or demon or something Shit. that uh, haunted every apartment I moved at. Well, two apartments. Um, it haunted the one that I lived in. And then when I moved, it, I, you know, I did some things to make it stop. Uh, and then once I got to the new place, all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute, is this place haunted? And then I remembered, no, I still have the Ouija board. And I guess it reactivated in the new space or something. And Oh, uh, my gosh. So what did you do with the Ouija board? You know what's funny is that... You gave it to an ex-boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> that I, That's what I would have well, done. Well, I, I didn't know what to do. And I talked to so many people. And so many people were like, burn it. And then other people were telling me, you know, you can't you can't do that. It's it's the spirit or demon or whatever is attached to you now. Mm. And so I don't know. But I ended up throwing it away in a dumpster. And, and do you feel better? You know, what's funny is that. Shortly after that is when I kind of hit rock bottom in my life. No, <laughs> so stop it. I don't know. Um, I'm nowadays I'm great. This was years ago. But maybe but... the Ouija board was like an earth angel or like an angel from above that was a spirit that was positive and was giving you darkness so you could crash so then you could be where you are right now. Sure, like a phoenix from the like ashes. Like a phoenix from the ashes. I um How long ago was this? This was uh I got it in I believe 2009 or 8 and I got rid of it probably around 14 or something like that. Wow. Uh, but if you listen to my podcast, Ghosted by Rose Dressville, the first episode, I kind of get more into the details of what happened in right. my apartment and stuff. And, <gasps> yeah. Oh, my God. I can't wait to go back and listen to that. But you know what? My biggest question for you is how the fuck did you get into this, like, ghosted world? Well, okay, I grew up in a house where my grandmother, um, her spirit was there. She she did not die in the house, but she had a long struggle with cancer, and she was actually, um, you know, she spent a lot of her her illness and last days in the house, and she loved the house, and she she I was the I was one of the youngest um, grandchildren, and I didn't really get much chance to get to know her as mm. compared to everyone else, and I feel like I had a real strong connection with her, and so. I felt her energy a lot as a kid and I actually saw her one time as a kid and, you know, different things would happen. It was very much like an intelligent spirit in the house where if I was yelling at my mother, being a little brat as a kid, all of a sudden something would flip off of a table or, you know, it was like, oh, shit, grandma's mad. Like it was it was crazy. Um, but it what it did was it 
conditioned me to feeling what it's like when a ghost is around. So as I got older, I would go to different places and I'd be like, oh, it's that feeling like when grandma was around, um, but it's not grandma. This time it feels more like it's an older spirit or it feels like a mean spirit or something like that. So I started um, all these years, I started really being curious about what that was. And I still do not understand the paranormal so much. I mean, I don't think anyone fully does. It's all a lot of it is just theory and and um, trial and error and collecting evidence. But I'm so fascinated about it. I don't like to experience it, to be honest. I mean, there's there's a part of me that's like, oh, it's fun. Like I whatever. But I'm also there's a big part of me that's like "Mm, at this point, I'm only going to haunted places for the content, honey. I'm going there so I can come back with a story and I'm not doing it so that I can like experience it like to your like depth of your soul. Hell no. Yeah. I don't want to go snatching off my wig. No. No. I mean, but that would be a moment. I, it would be a moment. It would be a moment. I'm sorry. I think that would be the first time a ghost snatched a wig off of you. I know. And then I have like a smaller <laughs> wig underneath. And I'm like, gotcha, and bitch. Like, gotcha. Wait, didn't I just, I just saw a viral video where that was that. Who was, oh my God. It was a ghost? No, it wasn't a ghost. Someone snatched a wig off. And oh, the other there's one underneath. There. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that typical, old trick. That old trick. That old trick. Well, what do you think of this? Okay, so I haven't talked about this with anyone, so this will be very interesting since this is your world. A lot of people, I am a huge believer of the paranormal. As you know, I was on your show, and I recommend everyone listening to it just because Some I was on it. Some of the best <laughs> ghost stories I have heard on the show. Like, pretty fucked up ghost stories, you have the too. very good ones. Yeah, and I have two more that I can just, like, pull out in any moment. Wait. So we're going to, like, do that again. But a lot, and I'm very open with the fact that I believe in the paranormal. I'm always, like, saying, you know, welcome, sweet spirits. If you're not sweet, I don't want you welcomed. You know, blah, 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 whatever. A lot of people argue, though, and have said it to me, where they say it's just mental health. And they're like, it's just in your mind. Totally. And they debunk it by going, well, like I've had people be like, well, you're just fucking crazy. So that's why you believe in these things. Yeah. And I'm like, "Mm, I am fucking crazy. But that is not why I believe in these things. Yeah. But there's a lot of arguments about that, that it was a sign of schizophrenia. It's a sign of all these different you know, diseases that all of us deal with in the brain. But do you think that's true? Yeah, no, I'm happy that we're talking about that because it is stuff that it is something that crosses my mind at times. I think um, especially when you hear these shared experiences Uh where more than one person, I mean, like, well, I don't want to totally give away your story, but you had a a shared experience with your mother. Yeah. And something like that. It's like, how can that that's not how do you explain that right yeah that's not a mental health mm-hmm. thing i mean so you know you hear all different kinds of stories and every once in a while i hear a story where i just sort of am like i don't know okay maybe um like i that's a hard one to fathom something mm-hmm. like that happening i guess i've never heard of that sort of a thing or sometimes you see a video of a ghost and you're like i'm pretty sure that's cgi um but i also i do know that when a lot of people have paranormal experiences there's so much criticism and it's it's such a vulnerable thing to admit that you've had these experiences because oftentimes people will say you're fucking crazy i don't believe you you're a liar mm-hmm. and how do you 
like that's not a great position to be in. I mean, it's it's sort of being a victim of these experiences, you yeah. know, like like with any other time that you might make an accusation or you know, it's say, like being bullied. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it turns into you a know? bully thing, and you know, if we think about without naming specific scenarios, but there's there's times, you know. Uh, where people have been the victim of certain thing and and them speaking about it is very powerful and some people will just shut them down and mm-hmm. it's like no you like the, I I just don't want to I, I want to create a space for my show where people are free to talk about this and and be vulnerable and open up about it because it yeah you you people are very quick to just say it's mental illness or mm-hmm. Yeah, you're making this up. You're lying. And people diminish what you truly believe in. And then if you know for a fact what you saw, what you felt, and someone continually shames you and says no and you're crazy and puts you down, that triggers a whole other ripple effect of how you feel in this insecurity. So it's kind of in a way like you're destigmatizing the ghost world. I really do so look at it So the spirits like are that. pretty happy about it. I, I look at it like that. And I also that's why I, I try to get different kinds of people on the show. You know, I have listeners that tell me stories. I have very famous people that tell me stories. I have comedians, drag queens, all different kinds of people, experts, whatever, um, just to show that it's it's one of those things sort of like, um, gosh, I, uh, what's another example? Whatever. It's it's the kind of a thing that it has been around since the beginning, since caveman paintings. Mm-hmm. And no matter what culture around the world, people have reported these kinds of things. And I just I like to, you know, destigmatize it in that way by being like, look, if all these people of all different walks of life have had these kinds of experiences, then it it's pretty convincing evidence. I mean, I mean, how much more do we? I mean, there's a lot of other things in this world that people have been convinced of, which are bullshit. Yeah, you know what I mean. So totally. I don't understand why a little ghost story, someone in a rocking chair, is really that big of a deal. Well, and I just can't believe the people that get so offended or like they they want to be like that. You're a liar or like well, they want to super religious people. I feel like sometimes, well, right? I don't know because I grew I up. Mean, Catholic. I mean, Catholic. Me too. I grew up strict Catholic. I think that Catholicism is so paranormal. I mean, I know, isn't it? It's like a man dies and rises from the dead. Happy Easter. Enjoy your <laughs> eggs. Yeah. Like, that There's is some straight candy. up zombie shit right there. I know. It's like, no, this isn't wine. This is blood. Like, that is some spooky shit. Were you shit. terrified drinking the, the, the blood of Christ, if you will, when you were at, like, I guess when is your confirmation? You're no, that's nine? Uh, first communion. First communion, but I do- was like seven, eight, something like that. I was not because I'm an alcoholic, so <laughs> I was like, "Bitch, if it's blood, I don't give a shit. I will take it." <laughs> I was terrified. I yeah. was terrified. I was like. I like blood, but I don't want someone else's blood. <laughs> I know. And then to eat the Eucharist, which is his I'm body. I'm sorry, but those crackers were so fucking good. I know. They're good. Like, cannibalism never tasted so cannibalism good. Cannibalism never tasted so good. See, but my thing, I, I nowadays don't eat, um, I always say I don't I don't need anything with nipples or hair. Oh, interesting. I have nipples and hair, and that feels like cannibalism. Are you But if you got feathers or scales, I don't give a shit. I will put you in my mouth. I love a lizard person. (laughs) (laughs) 
I um no, I love chicken. I love um fish nowadays. Uh I was vegan for a long time, but yeah, I don't eat You stopped um, the vegan. I stopped being vegan. Are you still But uh, I just watched a new documentary on Netflix that Arnold Schwarzenegger and um uh, Jackie Chan produced called Game Changers. It? Every couple years, you know, there's that vegan documentary that Did comes out. Did it change out. your life? I, I've literally, Forks Over Knives years ago turned me into a vegan. Then I like kind of started being a vegetarian. Then I watched that other one that came out a couple years ago. I know which one you're what talking about. What the hell? Yeah. And that one was like hardcore vegan. And then I started eating chicken. And then now this one came out and I'm like, shit. Okay, the evidence is like. You're like, I'm going back. I know. Fuck. Well, I'm a veggie. Yeah. So. I'm just like, I you know. I was vegetarian for a, <laughs> the last year or so. 2019, the beginning of 2019 was a big year for me. I made so many changes, and one of them was eating chicken. And uh, I kind of miss, I kind of miss not eating chicken. And I also. Maybe you'll change. Well, I, I recently stopped with dairy again because it's just like, I can't. I just Someone can't. explained it as, and I eat cheese, so. This isn't me explaining this. Someone said, "Why would you want to eat mucus?" I know here it's like and I pus. was like, Ugh. "That's what they say." <laughs> Sorry if you're eating and listening to this right now, but like that's the truth. Are you still super religious or not at all? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm the Catholic drag queen. But you know what, though, could be. You could be changing the game that way. Uh, not that's not going to be me. No, though I do feel like uh, going to church was certainly. I mean, I got that spookiness out of it, and I also got the the whole pageantry of it. Like it is it's so pageantry. So, yes, this like most likely gay man walking down an aisle yes. with like a gown on, and, and it's, it's usually a very chic gown. Oh, it's so chic, like and, a little gold trim. Oh hell yeah! Sometimes <laughs> they got the incense, and they're just like going down Honey. the aisle. Honey, it's like a pride parade. I I saw that as a kid, and then they got the jams going. Oh I was my just, gosh. Great music. I loved it as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously you're not. Not Are anymore. You spiritual? Do you feel that there's another yeah. kind of I mean, obviously you must feel something that there's something in the future because you believe in ghosts. Totally. I've um well, many psychics, many very legitimate psychics have told me that I uh have the shine. I just don't um I have no interest in being a psychic or whatever, any of that kind of mm-hmm. ability. But I do feel like I I have a very strong intuition. Me and too. I've I've had many problems in my life as a result of me not listening to my intuition. I've had a lot of problems with separating my brain from what my higher self is telling me mm-hmm. to do. Um especially with like dating or just like different decisions. I get very impulsive when I know it's not what I should be doing. Mm. But I also, I like to be bad. And I think that that's part of what like Catholicism did to me was that as a kid, I was told you can't do this. You can't do that. If it sounds like it's fun, you're not allowed to do it. And so uh, there's a part of me that likes to rebel rebel. and do things that I know I should not be doing. But see, that's interesting because I grew up in a very Catholic household, but my grandma was just the cutest thing in the entire world, and she used to kick her legs up, and she'd wear her skirts, and she was like Miss Fabulous. And everyone in my family on that side that were Catholic were open. Everyone swore like there. My first movie that I ever saw in a theater was Private Parts, Howard Stern. 
Oh, okay. yes. And then the first movie, rated R movie I ever saw at home was Serial Mom. So that's Amazing. really funny. So uh, Wait, that's what was different. Did you know that Camille Grammer is in Private Parts? What? She's straight up in it. She's like a young, like, 90s babe. She's, Who does she play? There's like a part. Like when they do the interviews? It's like, like when... you know how that movie's very, like, funky and it kind of yeah, yeah, cuts yeah, away yeah. to different jokes? Yeah. Like, it's one of those where she's, like, <gasps> in a bikini outside the White House or something like that. I can't even remember. It's been a couple years since I've seen okay, it. Okay, I have to go back and watch it. But it's fully her. That is, wow. Yeah. But yeah, I grew up in a very loose household. Like it was very loose. Mm-hmm. So my idea of Catholicism was more of the tradition of like going somewhere and and you know, I feel like it was more superstitious. Like mm. for my family, it was like if we don't do this, like something might happen and it was just a way of being spiritual to a higher power I Mm -hmm. think is what it was it's very hard for me because I have a lot of friends that you know like you that grew up strict Catholic that were told no you couldn't do that that was never in any of my family did you go to Catholic school Um, I went to Catholic school until I was about six so like no Oh, okay see I went to the oldest boy girl Catholic high school in America where was this in Grand Rapids Michigan Um, I shot a movie in Grand Rapids, Michigan. <laughs> what was it called? Oh, God. It was with Christian Slater, and it was called Playback. And we stayed at the Ramada Inn that had the indoor water park, which was like oh, the wow. destination place to be, I guess. Oh, I, I don't even know about yeah. anything. Wow, it's Grand been, Rapids. I mean, I moved out of there in 2008, and I go back very quickly every yeah. couple of years. Yeah. Uh, I go in and out. In and out. Um, wonderful place to grow up, though. Uh yeah, so I I mean I had the school uniform and I mean we certainly like Did you have the nuns that like slapped you? No, but my parents did, you right. know. Like, but it was that, like my mom. I yeah. think that that was kind of over with by the time I grew up, but um yeah, it was more like hearing in school and and in well, mainly just in school, as because you know we had religion class where they would tell us about what our religion is all about, and hearing things like homosexuality and just right. you know different types of things like um, premarital sex, like just all these things where I was like, "Is this really like that bad?" Right. Like right. I don't know, and so I definitely uh, do not identify as a Catholic. Um, but going back to your question about my spirituality now and that sort of a thing. Um, I, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of organized religion. Um, so for myself, I just, that's not really my thing, but you know, I actually like, there's a lot of different religions that I like to kind of, you know, take different ideas Mm -hmm. from, you know, I really identify with a lot of Buddhist beliefs Mm -hmm. and, um, I, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I as of right now, I think the whole all that I think about when it comes to that kind of a thing is just am I being an asshole to people because if I am then I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um I think that that's what so much of religion is about is just like being a good person to each other and sometimes people get too caught up in like words that were written hundreds and hundreds and thousands mm-hmm. of years ago right. that are like right. you know not even realistic i just i just want to treat people the way i want to be treated yeah the golden rule but i love that um, the golden rule but i think um that that is a great teaching that 
that I apply to my life at all times. And um, I just try to I try to do things that make me feel good about myself Mm -hmm. and um, make me feel proud. I think that's a big part of my life. It's a great word. If we want to get into it. Yeah, you want to be proud. (laughs) I've lived many years of my life where I was not proud of myself. Mm. And I didn't treat people. Were you in the closet? Is that why? I mean, I'm saying that like as if. Um, but that seems to be quite, in my experience, I I don't know anyone who's not in my life that isn't a gay man. That's just, I feel like I was born into the wrong body. I say this all the time. And I feel a lot of struggles come from that. You know, one of my best friends, he grew up strict Catholic and his family's strict Catholic and both of his aunts are nuns in the Vatican. And wow. like, so yeah, so I mean, talking about like, it's not even about hiding who he is or who he was, excuse me, because he is, you know, here. But it's about that word of being proud of who you are and what you genuinely are. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for outing me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're part of the collection. <laughs> I'm actually the first straight male drag queen to expel um, in America. No, um Oh my god! Well, P.S. I just got a tattoo before, I and came it's here. incredible. It's a ghost. It's like getting uh, they're so ugly when you first get them. <laughs> anyway, um, you know that certainly was a struggle for me. Something that's been so liberating that I've only come to the realization of the past like year to two years is that I think it's much deeper for me than just being a gay man. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it's, my life has kind of gone in steps because when I was um, about 16, I had an experience with um, like basically meeting my first ever like gay kid that was my age and being like, oh shit, wait a minute. I'm like, I'm gay. Like I didn't even, I never, it never even crossed my mind. Like I'm not. Did you the- date girls? Yeah, I guess so, a little bit. <laughs> but I wasn't that I I wasn't the story that a lot of my gay male friends have where it was like a second I was a little boy, I saw Jonathan Taylor Thomas on TV. Like I guess I kind of had one of those movie moments where all of a sudden like all these memories like fled back and I was right. like, "Oh shit, I've been gay this whole time." <gasps> wow. Um so it was very much that. And at 16. Yeah, 16. Well, but the funny thing was I was still attracted to women. So I was like, shit, I think I'm bi. And so I like went and I was like sort of that step. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, bi. And then you were I dipping your toes in. <laughs> yeah. And then I was just like, oh, no, I think I just like guys. And then I realized like, OK, I'm fully gay, a gay man. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's really cool how gender conversations have really blown up the past couple of years and so many words that I didn't even hear until a couple of years ago. Uh, And now I'm just sort of, I mean, I'm fully sure of who I am. Well, no, none of us really are, but I'm the most sure I've ever been. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now what I've realized is that I don't really feel that I am a gay man. I mean, I often use the word non-binary. I don't, pronouns don't bother me. I mean, I know that I appear male to many people and and um, that's okay. I don't find it to be a bad thing. Um, so I, you know, I go by he, I go by she. Sometimes people say they. Um, I love just being called Raws. Um, mm-hmm. I, so I, I, I don't know, but I, 
when I've come to this realization that I'm somewhere in the middle um, and sometimes very gender fluid, sometimes I feel very male or very masculine and sometimes I feel very feminine, but always a little bit of both. Um, I That's when I realized uh, maybe that was something that was weighing on me for so many years. I mean, I didn't even know that that was a thing, but having to suppress so much of my femininity and having to only, um, cause I mean, even in g- the gay male community feeling like if I was too feminine, that that would be an issue and having to suppress that and, um, finding the balance of who you truly are. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I started doing drag in my early twenties. Yeah. That's what I was so curious. Like, how did you get into that? Yeah. I started doing it, um, about 2009 and I you know I would go out and I was definitely like a stay-at-home drag queen I would like fully you know (laughs) do myself up at home take a couple of pictures not show anyone stay at home just my closest friends um because girl you you know every there's most gay men I know nowadays are have done drag at one point and they they think that they're drag queens which is a completely different story than someone that actually does it for a living so I call at that time of my life for I was definitely a stay-at-home drag queen. And you never did it as a kid. Or I'm sorry, not as a kid, but once you kind of had this aha moment at 16 Mm -hmm. that never happened in that time. It was no because I didn't know I mean I was also acting and this was like I always feel like two thousand and nine was the year that everything changed and it's when gay there was gay characters on television. Every commercial all of a sudden mm-hmm. started having g- g- gay couple along with all the other couples. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that was like just trying to fit in and everyone like, you know, I'm a normal dude. I just happen to be gay. Like yeah. that whole yeah. thing was definitely what I felt like I had to do, especially being an actor. Um and I realize now that that was weighing on me a lot. I was like really suppressing a lot of things. So um, I wasn't trying to uh, be around any drag scene, which P.S. 10 years ago, the drag scene was so different than it is nowadays. It was I mean, Dolly it, Levi doing fuetes at well, Dolly <laughs> Levi is an amazing drag queen in Los Angeles. My favorite of all she's, time since I was very young. Well, you know, she's actually in the movie The Birdcage. I am totally aware of that. She, um, was she the, is the most OG, in my opinion. It's so funny you bring up her because she was the first drag queen I ever saw in person stop really yeah and i was like who are you what are you what is this i want to be that best legs yeah the best Best legs legs in hollywood and she um we spent so much time together and oh my god i can't believe this this is so sweet she was very much um a mentor of mine in my early 20s late teens and we would talk on phone for hours and she would tell me stories about being a drag queen and and um she was your fairy drag mother yeah and she taught me you know about gluing down my eyebrows and you know all the different little things because even then it was before there was such an industry on YouTube. Like now right. you can just go to YouTube and learn completely how to do anything drag Absolutely. related. Yeah. And back then it was like you had to. Didn't exist. You had to know someone. <laughs> I feel so old back <laughs> then. But I guess it was te- a full decade ago. Did you meet her when you were living in L.A.? Um, I she I lived in Orange County at the time. And she would do every Sunday night an 18 and up club. 
and she was she was the host of it (laughs) and I would go with my friends and I would um yeah I would talk to her afterwards (laughs) that's incredible yeah and that's when I started and then I um I got into a relationship with a guy and um I just I don't know I well, we should talk about alcoholism because it plays a lot actually into how I got to where I am now and drag and all of that stuff. So um, by the time I was about 20, I got to a relationship and I was I mean, still underage. That's so crazy. I was still yeah. not even 21 yet. And I was like drinking like crazy and um, experimenting a little bit with drugs. Not too much, but just lots and lots of booze and um, in a very unhealthy way, not not to the point where it's just like every weekend. Like, no, like a lot of times it was like in by the yourself. morning right, and right, by right. myself right. and all of it. Right. And um, I got into a relationship and I kind of just I lost my motivation. I had quit acting in L.A. I, I knew that I didn't want to try to make it as a male actor it just didn't feel comfortable for me to do that and um I wanted to get into drag but I was too afraid to do it it wasn't it wasn't the kind of thing I mean I do think that I mean I'm so happy for RuPaul's Drag Race and all it's done for the drag community but one of the things it has done is it's kind of well in a not in my opinion great way nowadays it's like look at these cute boys they can also do drag like now it's become that like more glamorized it well like no you... it's become like like so many hot guys do drag now and mm-hmm. i kind of never identified with that i kind of um i don't know i just i don't i don't look at drag as like I'm, I want like attention and people think I'm sexy. Like I've just always been kind of like a it's weirdo a that like, like kind of a character. Sort of. Yeah. Um, but at the time, what I'm saying is it I from my experience, I would tell guys that I did drag and it was like, uh, what? Like, that's not like the hot thing on TV. That's not like, you know, nowadays there's like pearl and milk and like these like really hot guys that do drag that are famous yeah at the time that wasn't a thing so um so i guess yeah rubel's triggers it's been a great thing that it's done that for people um but also i'm just like don't put people on tv just because they're hot boys um (laughs) anyway so uh but to be fair you're a hot guy i just want everyone to know that uh, stop it (laughs) um so I just, I kind of quit drag and I just, and I didn't really have anything that was fueling me, like creatively. Like it all crashed down on you kind of a feeling? I was just like, you know, drag made me so happy and I was too afraid to do it. And I didn't want, I just wanted to be a dude or whatever I is what I thought I needed to do mm-hmm. at least, you know. It turns out that wasn't making me happy at all and I was drinking like crazy. And... um I finally bottomed out when I was 20. Wait, let's see here. It'll be five years ago in uh, January, which is 2020. So 2015, uh, I was 24 years old. Um, and I just told myself that I'm never going to drink or do drugs again, which was the scariest, hardest decision of my life. But 
it also allowed me to get rid you know, through working a program and just doing anything I could to get myself in a better mental space and to to avoid, you know, to, to do whatever I could to keep me from drinking and doing drugs. I just needed to live my truest life and be my truest self and do things that made me proud of myself. And um, that's when I really started pursuing drag. And um, I would say like within a year of that, I mean, I was just so I put so much into drag and comedy. And so a year into being sober. No, I pretty, pretty quickly after getting sober, I was like, bitch, you got to have like your shit together. Like mm-hmm. it is time. Like even at 24, I felt like I have wasted so many years. And- I know. Listen. When I hit 22 and shit wasn't happening the way that I wanted to and everything was crumbling down, I was like, I should just give up now. I know. I'm like, I'm a husband. Yeah. No. And I honestly felt that way. And I was 22 when I was diagnosed bipolar. Yeah. And that's when kind of everything switched around for me Uh where I, I like to say I started anew. Like it was another chapter in my life and I'm not upset that I lived the way that I did before that. But- I understand what you went through where it's like, okay, this didn't work, so I have to give this 150% because otherwise I'm just losing out in life. And it's like time not to. And there was a feeling of like making up for lost time. And um, I I mean, I truly wasted away years. Like it's crazy how many years I spent where it was like, ask me what I accomplished last year. I couldn't tell you. Like, I truly didn't do anything. I just was drunk all the time. Was and, there, like, one moment where you were like, fuck, this is this is it. I gotta yeah. stop this. Yeah, no, I did have a moment, which I don't know if I really wanted to talk about. Oh, no, you don't have to. But there was. But what I mean is, like, there yeah. was a no, moment. No, I hit a rock bottom yeah. moment where I honestly could Because a lot of people don't have that moment. Yeah. They no, just I, decide to stop. When I, and I, there was years that went by where I kept saying to myself, okay, last night I said that thing to that person and we had a fight and I really shouldn't have done that, but I'll call them up. I'll say, I'm so sorry. Um, which is kind of Catholic where it's like, <laughs> yeah, I'll just confess or whatever, you know, um, God will forgive me. Um, but, you know, I'll just get forgiveness and then I can move on. But lots of things like that, like little things that didn't really affect a job or anything legal or I didn't get arrested, stuff like that. Nothing serious happened. And a part of me was like, I need something serious to mm-hmm. happen or I'm never going to stop. Mm-hmm. And something pretty serious did. I mean, a pretty close to death experience where I probably could have easily died uh, happened. And I woke up the next morning and I was just like... Uh, my intuition is telling me I will not get another chance. That was the night I should have died. And sometimes I sit here and I think maybe I did die. And this is now my heaven because now my life has gotten so much fucking better the second that I quit. And I, uh, I, I truly feel like I was reborn and, um, uh, yeah. Are you a firm believer in, the program or having some sort of disciplinary like check-in in your life? Yeah. Um, I was definitely hardcore program when I started uh, getting sober and it was really great for me. Um, I have 
a couple of things that I don't relate to with the program. I mean, for me, the more time has gone on when I go to, say, a meeting uh, and I hear people talking about alcohol. I'm like, I straight up have spent the past four years working in bars every night. I don't even think about alcohol mm-hmm. until I came to this mm-hmm. meeting and everyone's talking about right, alcohol. Right, right, right. So sometimes I go and I'm like, I don't, why are we talking about this? Mm-hmm. You know, oh, right. it's because we're at a meeting about alcohol. So that doesn't always help me. Um, and another thing that, uh, you know, certain programs uh, are very anti is talking about it. Uh, publicly. And for me, I find that it's so powerful to talk about it and to show people that someone can be fun and live a really exciting life. And I mean, I'm not lame. Like, I'm still out there. You are furthest from lame. That is what I will say. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like straight up like, I mean, it's been so great because I don't in the beginning of 2019, I kind of vowed, not vowed, but I just like told myself like I don't want to work in nightlife anymore just because I don't drink and I don't hook up with people. I don't listen to that kind of music. I don't like it just doesn't. I'm a talker. And when I talk, you know, no one wants to hear you talk when you're on a mic at a nightclub. Like people yeah. want to see someone do the splits. Yeah. They don't want to see, yeah. you know, they want a so death drop. <laughs> I just decided like it's not making me happy. So I'm not going to do it anymore. So I stopped working in nightlife, but I still am connected to nightlife. I know a lot of people from nightlife and in the years I spent working in nightlife, it was, you know, I I encountered a lot of people that knew that I was sober. Well, they found out that I was sober and they're like, I can't believe like this whole time you weren't drinking and you're still so fun. And, you know, I have a problem. How can you help me? And, you know, that sort of thing is it's so powerful for me um, to be able to help people, mm-hmm. I mean, leading by example, but also like letting people know that it's possible, you know, in the only way. Well, I'm... It's like making it not a big deal. Like, that's the thing. It's, you know, I I obviously my partner that I'm with, my my boyfriend, who I've been with for years, he's been sober now 11 going on 12 years. Wow. And, you know, I didn't know him when he wasn't sober, but I've grown up with kids. Even when I was 15 years old, one of my friends had to go to rehab at 15 years old Mm -hmm. and like stayed sober since then. You know, so it's always been around me and I never thought it was weird or it was strange or it was never glorified or made a big deal or hush hush. Like however other people perceive it to me was so normal. I didn't know any fucking different, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm not a drinker. So for me, it was never affecting me in relationships. I've dated a lot of sober people. I've dated a lot of people, but I've dated sober people as well. And I think that that's an issue that people who are not comfortable with sobriety and they meet someone and they find out they're sober, then they're like, oh, okay. And in their mind, and I know this because I have friends like this, where they're like, oh, they're judging me if I drink. Totally. And I go out. And meanwhile, you're over here and you're like, I'm not judging. I just can't be you. And as Sturgis says, my boyfriend, he goes, listen, I wish I was like you. Like, how cool would that be? But unfortunately, like, I have a disease. and Like, I can't. But I'm going to watch you and I'm going to enjoy what you're doing because it looks like you're having fun. But I'm going to have fun over here and do it my own way. You know, so I think that by you talking about it and you normalizing it and destigmatizing it and being able to go to a nightclub and not 
people not looking at you differently and you not looking at them differently, it's going to help a lot of people. Because totally. it's just this weird, like, kind of elephant in the room, and some people don't know how to deal with it. Yeah, and I mean, especially in, like, because, you know, I I have a kind of a unique position um, in terms of work where I've always had, like, one toe in the comedy world and one toe in the drag world. And in both communities, there's there's a lot of, like, celebration of, like, look at how much I drink and, like, look at how fucked up I am and let's do a shot on stage yeah. and, like, that kind of a thing. And, like, wonderful if that's the kind of thing that you relate to. Great. But um, I... I love to show people that you that doesn't have to be like that doesn't have to be considered cool. That doesn't have to be funny. I mean, it's there's other jokes in other ways. There's other ways <laughs> of doing it. Yeah. Um, but I do think that alcoholism and recovery from alcoholism. Well, the whole situation is very stigmatized and. It's unfortunate because, you know, it's sort of a joke, but it's true. Like, it's the one disease where you can have it and people will call you an asshole for having it, you mm-hmm. know. And, um, well, one thing that I've really learned from recovery is the value of forgiveness and second chances and... um just you know we're all human and we all make mistakes and it's it's a very important lesson that I've learned and it's part of the reason why I'm so grateful that I got to have that opportunity to be an alcoholic and to find um, recovery and to survive from it um, and not die all the times I should have Uh, I'm so grateful for that experience because many people don't get experiences Mm -hmm. like that that open their eyes to um to, to things that I've gotten to learn. Like I said, forgiveness, I think, is a really important thing. And, you know, I've, <laughs> I feel controversial saying this, um, but I'll say it anyway. Uh, it's a very controversial show, so don't worry about it. <laughs> um, don't cancel me for saying this, but it's something that I've learned with a lot of cancel culture and call-out culture. What's and- cancel culture? You, well, you know, like how uh, people get canceled nowadays. Oh, oh, I, oh, right. Okay, yes, yes, The whole yes, yes, culture yes, yes, yes. revolving right. around it. Right, Where, I mean, I, I'm i not going to name any specific scenarios because they're all very different. Many people have been canceled, quote unquote, for many different reasons the past year or two. Um, but sometimes it's like people can change, okay? Like I know that if someone is doing something terrible and they will not stop, we need to stop them. Mm. Let's stop them all. Let's, I 100%. But sometimes it's like someone did something a long time ago and they have since gotten, like for me, it's like you could be like, oh, five years ago, uh, I saw her driving drunk and she's she drives drunk. It, I saw a meme recently that was like something along the lines of like, there's many people that, only know you uh, fuck it was written like beautifully but it was like it was something like essentially like you are to many people someone that you're not even anymore you know like like if someone someone could say things about me five years ago that I've completely changed like I've straight up been to rehab I have um, gone through therapy and so many things to change my life and acknowledge the fact that I used to just do things that I didn't do anymore but I got the chance to to rehabilitate myself and be from that experience it's helped me to realize more about human nature and how people fuck up Mm -hmm. and people can change and people can be forgiven and um 
again, I just want to make it very clear that I'm not talking about all people that have been canceled or anything like that because no, there's been a lot of saying, predators out there. No, but it's just in there. general. Like, it's just a general thing, right? Like, I, I know that I look at past times in my past of how I dealt with some relationships and like I was at fault and at the time I was like no like fuck this person Mm -hmm. like blah 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 and now I can look back at it and go I'm glad I made these mistakes with these certain men in my life not the last relationship but the ones before that Mm -hmm. and I and I can really understand where I fucked up for lack of a better word okay Mm -hmm. and now I look at the relationship that I'm in now and he is never the kind of guy that I ever in a million years thought I would be with. But if I hadn't have gone through all these, you know, bullshit, terrible things where I was as well as fault, I never would be in this healthy relationship, mm-hmm. which is weird. And yeah. it's weird to think about that. But I had to make lots and lots and lots of mistakes yeah. for me to find someone that I never thought I wanted. And that's the kind of person I want to be. Mm-hmm. So it's weird. And even with career choices and even with friendships, like I look back at my life and I'm like, God, I can't believe I was friends with this person. And why did we stop being friends? And I forget why we stopped being friends. And not because I was drinking. It's because I was in a different state of my life. Mm-hmm. And like I've learned to kind of I learned to listen more. I, I wasn't a listener. I was a talker. I was an engager. And now I'm a listener and I like to absorb everything that I learned. Yeah. To then tell it to someone else, to hopefully teach them to learn. Yeah, I, th- I just think that humans are so complex. And um, I, I just I, I hope that people can have more understanding. Um, I think that we're living in a time right now where people are so quickly jumping on people and just turning people into bad guys so quickly. Um Again, a lot of people are doing horrible things and they deserve to be canceled or whatever, but or called out. But um, I don't know. I'm I'm not a believer in some of those very popular phrases like if someone shows you who they are the first time, believe them. Right, right. Because essentially what that's saying is like (laughs) if someone does something bad to you, they're bad and they'll always be bad and they'll never change. Bitch, I was a horrible fucking person (laughs) for years. And now I do whatever I can to be just a compassionate person, and um, you have empathy. Yeah, yeah, it's very important to me to live the to live that way now. Um, but I feel like because of substances I was taking, um, mental health issues, it caused me to act in a way that I wasn't, and I'm very much a recovering asshole. Um, oh, I love that very much. Yeah, um, and you know that's part of the like. You know, I I can't change who I was. I mean, there's no denying. But if you didn't have that, you wouldn't fucking be here now. Exactly. And that's why I'm so grateful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so grateful for the fact that I had that experience. Because if not, if I was still alive today, I would be, well, I would have very bad health problems, but I would also be just, every bridge would be burnt and it would just be, you know, it'd just be a nightmare to be around. It'd be really sad. Yeah. It really would because I'm somebody that has always had so much potential, you know, to do wonderful, unique things. And I feel like I spent so many years just burning that up and not taking advantage of it. And now I'm just like trying to do whatever feels good and whatever feels natural. But that's and, what's important. And you're on the right path of life. I think I am. I feel. I'm going to ask I you a question. About that. I ask everyone this question. Okay. What makes you get up in the morning and continue on with your life? 
Panda Express. <gasps> I love Panda Express. <laughs> wait, no. Um, let me think. I do love Panda Express. Um, wait, what makes me get up and keep going? Um, wow. Gosh, there's. I mean, there's just so many things. I I think laughter. I I mean, this podcast. I've not been funny. Um, but you're a very but, funny person. I mean, I live for laughing and I just feel like laughing has gotten me through so many problems and I think it's just so powerful to make other people laugh and to to have that experience with another person but um I would say laughing is very important to me colors are very important to me um gosh camp is important to me I like I like I like to I like to do um I like to live my life uh, through the lens of myself as a child, uh, who I would want to be as an adult and what that would mean to me. I'm going to cry. That's so sweet. Uh, I feel like growing up, I was always surrounded by people whose lifestyles just did not appeal to me whatsoever. And I just always as a kid felt like... when I grow up, I'm not going to live like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, God, what the hell is my brain like? Am I just completely like stunted? But no, I like pay my bills. I do like adult things. I have to go to the DMV, whatever. But um, I just like. You want to make life fun. I, why not? I, it I, is listen, fun. I want to tell I'm going to leave you with this. But I went to this conference and it was 50 people in the mental health world who were not in quote unquote influencers, but like like that kind of idea of how they can get together. They had nonprofits there like the Ad Council to kind of meet with us to see what we could do to make change. Um, And they had all of us in the room. There were probably like 100 all together where they had us write down on a post-it what we would do in society to create change and destigmatize mental health. Mm. And I'm not saying that mine was the best answer, but it was because everyone told me. But everyone was writing down like using social media for positivity. And I mean, they were all great ideas. I'm not like shitting on them. They were great ideas. And another one was like um, if we can – create you know bring people in from different countries and bring them together in live chats and all this stuff and mine was one word it was comedy that was it mm. that's all i said i just wrote on a post-it big i wrote comedy and everyone came up to me came up afterwards because you didn't put your name on it and they put it on a board and someone was like god oh my god it is comedy and i'm looking at all of the different post-its and they were all inspiring and they were all great but i'm like can't we just fucking laugh because the only thing that got me through my trauma of growing up and all the bullshit that i went through was watching old snl skits of chris fucking farley you know doing the the man down by the van you know i mean by, i can't speak. By, down by the yes, river thank you my mind is not there right now i'm on a rampage and this is what happens to me once i start it can't stop Anyways, these moments of comedy, of laughing, were the only times that I felt at peace with myself and I didn't feel crazy. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that people are really taking full advantage because they think that if you laugh at mental health, that you're an asshole. And I think if you laugh at mental health, you're having a good time and you're making light because that's what this world is. Oh, my God. Life is so funny. Like it Life truly, is so funny. It's hilarious. And even when I think about like I, – I think it's so funny um, 
Like for me, I feel like I was given certain gifts, but then the universe or God or whoever was like, but we're also going to give you this affliction that right. like you have to get over. Like I, I, for me, I have to laugh at that. Like it's like so funny yeah. that like yeah. you can give me um, potential or opportunities, but there's like these barriers I have to overcome. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's just certain things. Like no, that, no, but... no. I get it. So that's why basically at the end of the story, what I want to wrap this up as is I really appreciate what you're doing and that you're making people laugh. And even by telling ghost stories, I haven't laughed that much on a show and I've done a lot of shows, but that was just like. It was just hilarious. I just had such a good time telling these stories. Oh, really? Yeah, no, I honestly, like, it was my favorite podcast because I just got to laugh and, like, be ridiculous. And, like, I talked about living in a place where John Belushi was and someone died there. And that's, like, a little, like, cue in that you should listen to the episode. Oh, my God. But I really appreciate what you're doing. And whatever caricature you are or whoever you identify with— I, like, absolutely love and adore it, and I can't even believe that I now get to put you in my collection. <laughs> Ooh, yay. I'm happy to be there. How can everyone find you? Um, okay, you can help my childhood dream come true of mm-hmm. being an Instagram celebrity yes. by following me at Roz Dresvelez. I'm sure the spelling is going to be, like, in the description of this episode or something. Yeah, it will. Um, and then I'm like, I'm on all the places. I mainly just use Instagram, but um, I would love it if you would listen to my podcast, Ghosted, explanation point, by Roz Dresfales, which is everywhere you find podcasts. And you should review it and rate it yeah. and comment it. And if you have ghost stories, I love reading them on the show. Um, and once you listen to the show, you'll hear the instructions that I have for how you can get those to me. And if you are in the Los Angeles area, and I'm sure you tour around, if you follow, uh, you know... If you follow uh, social media, you can see when you're appearing next. Yeah, I have a monthly show at the Hollywood Improv, and then I'm um, trying to do more live ghosteds, and we're going to go take it on the road. And I'm forcing myself to be on that live show. I can't wait. (laughs) I love you so much. Thank you so much for this. Bye, guys.